0: People want to be more sure of the health of their buildings, more confident in the the air they're breathing, the materials that surround them and the types of emissions that come off of that. And I think as we go forward, we just have to keep sort of looking around the corners to see what's out there, working with companies like Siemens and others just to keep, keep imagining what could be and adapting our operations to be ready for that.
1: Hello everyone, I'm Barbara Humpton, CEO of Siemens USA, and thank you for tuning in to the Optimistic Outlook podcast. We've been talking a lot about how work has changed in the midst of the pandemic, and actually we've seen a lot more remote use of tools to help us do jobs that used to be done on site. Infrastructure all around the world is getting connected virtually, but how does that built infrastructure get there? Today we're gonna delve into the construction business and take a look at how the pandemic has affected them and how can technology make a difference. My guest is Richard Kennedy. He's president and CEO of Skanska USA. And he has a really interesting outlook on the things that matter. He's caring about safety, about the health of buildings, about the health of his employees. He's also taking a look at how Technology can be used as we look around corners, and he's even going to challenge us saying that buildings can't be future-proofed. I'd love for our optimistic audience to take that challenge on. Take a listen. Richard Kennedy, welcome to the podcast.
0: Hi, Barbara. How are you?
1: Doing great. You know, I often talk about Siemens as a company that is inventing the future. We have technology that supports the industry, infrastructure, and mobility that really forms the backbone of America's economy. I imagine you think of Skanska in a similar way. I'd love for you to share with our audience the basic overview of Skanska and and tell us about your business.
0: Yeah, thanks, Barbara. So good to be here. Thank you, first of all. So uh, just about Skanska, it's an um, Uh, preliminary information about the company. Uh, It's a publicly traded company based in Stockholm, Sweden. We've been in business for 134 years, 1887, we were founded. And uh, we have global operations in in the Nordics, in the UK, in Central Europe, and very substantial operations here in the US. We have uh, heavy civil construction and building construction operations in the US, as well as our own commercial development business. We build hospitals, we build bridges, we build tunnels, we build education facilities, airports, stadiums. Uh, We work for the life sciences industry. We build data centers. We're in various markets around the US. We're an institutional builder, I would say. Just to pick a few, a recent project we turned over is a Candida building at Georgia Tech. It's a living building challenge building down in Georgia. That's a really great facility for us uh, to be part of. Um, right now, out in Los Angeles, we're building a new 6th Street viaduct. It's a bridge in downtown Los Angeles, a very complex uh, project for the city of L.A. Um, up in Seattle, I was on a uh, uh, webcast with our team this, uh, this, this past Monday, at a project called L300. It's a light rail project outside of Seattle. And then if I get closer to home here in New York, uh, if I go back in time, some projects that are near and dear to my heart, we built the World Trade Center Transportation Hub in the Oculus, if you've been down there. It's a fantastic facility right there at Ground Zero. Um, we've renovated the United Nations from 2007 to 2014. That was a really fantastic project that I was honored to be a part of. And then just a couple of weeks ago, Governor Cuomo announced the opening of the new Moynihan Train Hall Station, which is just two blocks from the Empire State Building where I'm based. And that's a great new train hall, great new, uh, door entrance for uh, visitors from Long Island and from New Jersey into New York City. So do lots of great projects in the U.S. and we're very happy to be part of the the building industry.
1: And so many of those projects are things that we all can enjoy, visit and really see your handiwork. Um, You know, Siemens is so proud to have supported you on so many projects and, and actually it was stunning to see how, even as the coronavirus pandemic swept across the United States, work kept going on. Tell us about how work had to change in the face of the pandemic.
0: It was very interesting, wasn't it, Barbara? I mean, if you go back to March, I was uh, I was pretty anxious back then, as were a lot of people in our industry, as you know. I mean, all of a sudden, we had this incredibly exceptional and unusual event happen to us. We weren't sure how we were going to deal with that. This concept of social distancing came in, I remember. And just thinking about that, when you think about a construction project, and I remember talking with our team and we had a, we had a picture, we had adapted pretty quickly. We had this picture of wash basins at a construction site that were separated you know, six feet apart. And there was a sign, a big sign behind them, uh, behind the basins that said, you know, please socially distance, stay six feet apart. And we thought, we, we don't socially distance in this business. I mean, we work elbow to elbow, hand in hand. So we had to back up um, really and rethink the way we were working. And I was incredibly proud of our team in the way we handled that, the way we adapted. Uh, super effort on their part just to just to adapt to a new circumstance and keep marching forward and keep our business going. Um, and it was very happy, obviously, with others in our industry that we were deemed to be essential because we are essential. We're in that industry. We build for our society, and it was great that we got to continue working forward. But what I saw happen, I, I think the biggest impression I have from the early days of COVID is how we stepped back and we planned more than I think we are accustomed to. We do lots of planning our industry, as you know, right? But it's also an industry of action. And I saw us because of this new circumstance, have to sit back and really rethink things. And I think we're better for it. I think we worked more safely than we're accustomed to. We haven't seen a drop in productivity and we have a huge focus on safety, but we got even safer in a global pandemic because we were planning more. And when I think ahead to our industry where, you know, where and how it might change because of this, I think we'll see more of that. There'll be more planning than we've been accustomed to, even though we're an industry that's heavy on planning, we'll, there'll be more of that and that will pay off in faster execution and more efficient execution in the future. So it's been a really interesting year um, from January you know, of last year until today, didn't expect it a year ago. And here we are on the other side of it or oh, more in the middle of it, but um, we're just pushing our way through our company and I know your company is doing exactly the same on the projects that we're working on together.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and actually, one of the things I've loved about this is truly empowering our teams, right? They really didn't need us hovering over them to help them get things done and um, giving them the tools they needed to stay safe and stay productive was valuable. We've been thinking a lot about how digital tools are transforming nearly every market segment we're involved in. And, And you just mentioned planning. I know that you use a lot of technology to help you in the planning. I'm curious to hear your views about how might technology be used in new ways in buildings, ways that add value for either you as a constructor, maybe for owners, for building occupants. What do you see as the trend right now?
0: Well, I I was happy, first of all, that we had a lot of the technology in place that we needed to have in place in order to continue moving our operations forward in a good way despite the pandemic. I mean, things like video conferencing, other technologies that we've used in the field, tablets for our superintendents and wearables to help people track and monitor the work. So a lot of the technology was there. We hadn't used it as much because we didn't have to, but it was there when we needed it. And I was super thankful for that. And then when I think ahead to the future, I, I, one, one, one thing that comes to my mind is, I'm sure you've seen this commercial Barbara, uh, where someone enters a commercial office building and they meet someone at the front door, and, he's, and the, the person greets them and say, "Why are you here?" And the, the, the person says, "Well, I'm here to fix the elevator. There's an issue." And the person, you know, the person who's uh, greeting him says, "Well, we don't have an issue with the elevator." And he says, "Well, you're going to have one tomorrow." So they like sort of this uh, this uh, predictive analytics that that idea of technology. I mean, that's real today in 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 buildings, you know, that it's incorporated into. But when I think about the future of technology on our construction projects. You know, I mentioned safety earlier and we we spend a lot of time in our company thinking about safety, trying to keep people safe. We gather a lot of data to do that. We analyze it and then we try to transform the way we approach our work to make sure that we're you know keeping people physically safe, that we're avoiding near misses. But when I step back and I think about the future and you know, this is the optimistic outlook, right? And I, I'm, I'm optimistic as a person. I think about all the data that we create on a project on any given day. And I, I think about the possibility of somehow really truly capturing all that, of course of course, in a cost-effective way. And I think that's the challenge that we have to get over as an industry, but somehow imagine, imagine a future where we're capturing all this data about how we're building projects in the field. And then we're taking that data and we're moving it up into the, into the planning and designing phases of our projects in order to design things so that they're safer and they're faster and they're more efficient and they're more effective. I mean, there's just so many possibilities that we have from technology. We just have to get, you know, we have to work together to get the common data platform so that we can really harness it and analyze it and use it the right way. But, you know, technology, I think that's a big theme that we've seen this year. It's been obviously coming for a long time. We've all been living it with iPhones and all the fantastic technologies that have come into play in the past, just say 20 years. But this, you know, I'd say this 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 issue with the pandemic and COVID and the way we've adapted using technology has just accelerated that, and it's opened a lot of it's opened a lot of doors I think for all of us and a lot of our minds as to the possibilities of uh, what we can do with it going forward. Certainly, mine.
1: Well, Richard, I would really love to pull you into some work we're doing at Siemens, envisioning what that future can be, how we can use that data. One of the topics that I'm hearing about is the idea that buildings can be healthier, right? And, um, and, and so, you know, I think about this knowledge of how buildings are performing, what really matters in the health of a, bu- of a building. One of the things that keeps cropping up for us is air quality, and we've put our scientists to work on understanding what changes we can make in building automation to improve air quality and right now we're rolling out solutions using commercially available components to help purify spaces in schools and hospitals you know helping to helping just to create healthier environments the covid-19 Pandemic is not our last virus that we're going to see. This is this has got to be part of the way we build for the future. How are you looking at building wellness?
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Barbara. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, we have a we have a strong development arm in Skanska. We're in the U.S. We're based in five cities. We also develop our own projects: commercial office buildings, residential office, uh, residential multifamily residential. Excuse me, in Europe and here in the U.S. And uh, so we've been one of the one of the big things for Skansky is sustainability. I'd like to say we're a clean, green Swedish company. We care about the environment. we care about sustainability. So the products that we've been creating have already incorporated things like you know high efficiency air filter system filtration systems and so forth. Um this is obviously increasing the need for that, the pandemic and the issues associated with it. So I feel like we're ahead of that, and we' just got to keep staying ahead of that. But then when I think about our buildings, and you you mentioned well-being, and that's, that's another great and I think accelerated trend that we're seeing out of COVID. People want to be more sure of the health of their buildings, more confident in the, the air they're breathing, the materials that surround them and the types of emissions that come off of that. So we're really focused on that. And I, I, I think as we go forward, we just have to keep sort of looking around the corners to see what's out there, working with design firms, working with companies like Siemens and others, just to keep keep imagining what could be and adapting our operations to be ready for that. And we can never, you know, you can never future-proof, your, you know, you can never future-proof solutions. I'm not crazy about that term, I don't think it's possible, but preparing awareness, uh, looking ahead, looking around corners to see what's coming. That's what I think we're gonna continue to do. And um, you're right, it's not, it's certainly not uh, the, the last problem like this that we're gonna face, but that's, for me, I mean, in sort of a odd way, I might say it's exciting because There's so many things to think about. There's so many great people to work with, to think about those things. There's so many possibilities of ways that we can improve the way we do things, improve the way we do things to make people healthier, make our societies better. It's a lot of opportunity coming on the back of a very bad event for our society, but we're here to seize it. And I think companies like uh, Siemens and Skanska are really well positioned to take advantage of that.
1: And this is exactly the outlook that we feature in this podcast. The idea that it's times of disruption that create sparks of innovation, that help us create a a better future. And, And so let me move you from inside the building and us, and let's think about how you get to that building. We've been working a lot at Siemens on the future of mobility, and the future is electric, connected, autonomous, right? And so uh, we're thinking about how shared vehicles are gonna transform the way uh, maybe close-knit urban settings uh, handle vehicles. We've seen changes in what's needed for parking space, uh, what's needed for charging infrastructure. Tell us about how changes in transportation are affecting the way you're constructing buildings.
0: So it it depends for us. It depends on how we're how we enter into uh, projects, you know, in traditional bid build project where the owner gives us its design and we simply bid on that with other contractors. We win by low price. I mean, a substantial part of our work in the U.S., particularly on the heavy civil side, is like that. It doesn't really change that much how how we approach that work. But for projects where we're part of the design process, like more in our building group, uh, where we're design builders, of course, or especially in our uh, development. in our development company, where we're creating our own products, and we have to think about all these things. You know, how do you design a building for electric charging stations? As you said, how, what are the parking what are the parking decks going to look like in the future? How do you design them to adapt them for future uses? As maybe vehicles change in in terms of number or the type that you're going to see in a facility, and how can you readapt that that uh, that space to use it for another purpose? You know, I think that's that for me is the. It, great thing that we've been talking about more this year again i just continue to see this acceleration of things that were already in play because of an exceptional event talking about resiliency getting getting together with people and thinking about how we how we create how we create facilities that are more adaptable to the future understanding that we can't predict exactly what's going to come at it's just you know and thinking about this this uh you know this podcast and i was talking about this question i realized i was i was in the basement of my house in princeton new jersey with my wife this weekend we've got some time on our hands because of covid so we're cleaning out the basement and i saw all these old record albums of mine in in uh, milk crates and then i saw tubs of compact discs you know and i and just thinking about the the record technology was there for like 70 years and then that was usurped by compact discs and that lasted about 30 years and now you know i can get every song in the world on demand on this device. I mean, that stuff's gonna keep coming at us as a society. So how do we work together to, to uh, develop facilities that are able to take that new technology and those new, new developments in without precisely knowing what they're gonna be? And I think that's, that's great work that we can all do together. And that we are doing together now.
1: You've been talking a lot about these changing dynamics, the new forces at play, things we couldn't predict and recognizing there are things around the corner that as of today, we can't predict. So future-proofing, that's a stretchy term. That's a a lofty term. Um, And and we all recognize we're not gonna be perfect, but what are you doing to bring in diverse uh, disciplines, expertise to help your team be aware of what might be coming in the future?
0: It's such a great question, Barbara, and I really am very happy that you asked it because it is a subject near and dear to my heart. It's kind of, I, know, I know you know, the US has had a lot of challenges this year, COVID, social unrest. One thing I've been very happy about is that our company has been talking about values and the culture that we have, bringing people in from diverse backgrounds for years and years, and talking about working in inclusive ways with people to get the best ideas out of people. and. I I think that's another great development that we're seeing accelerated by what's happened over the past year. We need different types of people with complementary skills, with the right communication skills, with good strong values and enthusiasm to work with others to create and develop things that are gonna carry us into the future and build for a better society for all of us. And that, that to me is forget the technologies that are gonna happen, forget the things that are gonna come at us, if we can come together as a society, as people in companies, as people in cities, work together in sort of an inspirational and enthusiastic way to just tackle whatever's coming at us, that is such a promising opportunity for us in the future.
1: Sign me up, Richard. We're, we're here to support you. Um, yeah, but somebody's got to pay for all this, right? Yeah. And boy, you do so many, you do so many jobs that rely on public funds. We've all seen the impact on state and local coffers of the uh, coronavirus and uh, people everywhere are reaching, stretching for what are some new sources of funding? How can we get projects going? Uh, I'm a big believer that P3s, uh, getting private private investment into the infrastructure space can be a game changer. Uh, What are you thinking today about the role of P3s as we rebuild?
0: Yeah, so I just say first, for our commercial development business in Skanska, we fund our own projects. That's pretty liberating when you can use your own capital to develop what you want to. It speeds, it provides us the ability to speed to market. We've also done a lot of P3 projects in Europe, in Latin America, here in the U.S. That's an interesting model. I think it is good to bring you know private capital into that equation. In addition to the capital itself, you have the creativity and the discipline that comes with private sector uh, You know private sector profit and loss responsibilities. I think that's been great. I've seen those disciplines married up in a very good way with the public sector on projects we've done here in the US. One thing I think that needs to evolve to get the best benefit out of that capital that we can bring to the table is the working relationship between public agencies and the private sector. And then through the private sector chain too. We're we're accustomed, and you know this, right? We're accustomed to working in traditional ways. And a P3 is a different model, right? It's a partnership model and yet the way we work uh commercially is still a little is is still traditional in a sense. And we just have to we just have to keep working the model and looking for the places that we need to tweak it and improve it so that we really are working in the spirit of a P3, a partnership relationship, so that we can find the best solutions and drive things forward. But I I, I think there's a real I think there's a real need for that. We see that today in the market, and it's just going to hopefully increase as we go forward. And We see corporate responsibility and public entities coming together in a better way to solve the issues that we're facing.
1: I hope we'll hear your voice as we move forward through. You know, we have this opportunity to actually rethink a lot of the ways we're doing things. And you've got so many great ideas about how to make things work better, how to how to generate value and have them serve us better in the future. You know, let me let me ask the big blue sky question in this optimistic outlook. If if we're able to really bring these things forward, the the innovations, the adaptations, if we're able to bring that forward into our work in construction in the coming years, what does that do for us? How does that serve society? What value does that create?
0: Things are always going to come at us, and that's what I realized over the past year in particular. I've I've known it. But the last year really drove the point home for me, is that it doesn't really matter what's coming at us in a sense. It's how we work together to to resolve those issues and find creative solutions to carry us forward. And that to me is the exciting, really exciting part of our future. There's lots of needs in society. We have lots of issues we have to solve. But we've proven, especially in the last year, I think, that we can do it. We can tackle these things And get over some of the issues that we have, notwithstanding what is obviously feels like a very polarized time in our society. I just feel that, you know, we just gotta power our way through that, keep working with each other, and just we can just create such a fantastic future together if we if we sort of embrace that idea that we have the power within ourselves to do it and just meet the meet the challenges of the day, whatever they may be.
1: Well, Richard Kennedy, we are thrilled to name you as one of our partners at Siemens, and thank you for everything you've done, especially during the pandemic, keeping the construction workforce going. Those jobs have been absolutely vital to the well-being of our communities, and what you're building is going to be wonderful for us to be able to use in the years ahead. Thanks for all of your ideas. We appreciate having you. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Barb. It's great being a partner with you, and I appreciate the opportunity to to join you on this uh, podcast, thanks.
1: What a valuable perspective. What we've gotten a glimpse of is the fact that the construction industry is every bit as impacted as every other market segment we've been delving into in this podcast series. We've seen that disruption actually creates opportunity. And as I think about the things Siemens is doing to support the evolution, the transformation, the creation of a more resilient future, We actually have a lot to offer from the smart building technology, the automation controls, fire and safety systems that are in buildings, all the way to the low voltage distribution throughout buildings, even control of the microgrid that perhaps is monitoring and and controlling the power sources that are being used uh, for the building itself. The entire fabric of the building is an opportunity for innovation. We'll share some links and some interesting items for you in the program notes to this segment. And I look forward to joining you next time. Thank you for tuning in. Subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform or to the Siemens YouTube channel. And for show notes and more, go to com slash optimist.